everybody to another episode of the podcast to be named later. I am Noah Hiles. He is Alex Stumpf. And Alex, there's another loss. I, I can't even pretend to be semi-excited. 13 out of 14. What in the world? Why can't this team win? In, okay, well, they never can win this year in general. But I used to have – Petty Noah Hiles used to have notes. and a note, I mean, I still have notes in my phone. Um, but I used to keep a notes tab of how bad Clint Hurdle was in September and August. And I think he only had one or two winning seasons. The rest of them were either 500 or below, including some of those below 500 years came when they made the playoffs actually in some of those months. Uh, But it's just an organization thing. I would love to know the last time this franchise has had winning seasons in both of those months. It's probably 2015, but aside from that, I don't think they've had back-to-back winning months in those two months. It's just 2014. No, I, they weren't good in August. They were good in September. But they, they were damn good in September. Yeah, but they. I'm saying back-to-back, like winning season in August, winning season in September. Oh, okay. Okay, I, I just took it as like a cumulative. No, yeah. I mean, September, they lost like four games. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. It's just bad baseball, man. They can't it's- hit. They can pitch well, kind of. Their bullpen doesn't do well anymore. Brubaker, I, I think Brubaker, that was the best he's looked all year. I mean, it was a case of where the breaking stuff was setting up the fastball instead of the other way. Like that, that was the best you could expect from JT Brubaker, where he gives up two runs, but one was on a bunt single, you know, RBI, which, okay, that's tough. Can't really fault him for that. And the other one was a pitch that kind of cut on him a little bit and that was hit for a double, but with better outfield positioning, like that's a whole different story. Yeah. Uh, so instead of, you know, re- we never really like recapping games. I don't think we ever really do that. I, sometimes we provide analysis or our take on how things happen, but we could just to fill airtime, just recap the entire thing. We're not going to do that. Instead, we're going to talk about the biggest pirate related news of today, which was 10th overall prospect. Jared Oliva gets the call to the show. He, uh, about 30 minutes before first pitch, the press release came out. Um, it was due to a Jason. What in the heck did Jason Martin do to get hurt? When would he, when was he playing? I don't know. He strained his back, you know, sitting up off the couch to watch. Was he watching like Sunday, Sunday night football and got excited? Did he think Cam should have threw the ball? Because I do. Anyway. At least not a power sweep. Like, yeah. What a terrible now. play call. What a, whatever. I mean, Patriots coaching staff, known to be bad at their jobs, right? Anyway, Jared Oliva gets called up to the big leagues. Uh, Alex, this is something we both have been calling for, especially when you look at the team and realize they have two true outfielders, and one of them is – arguably the worst player in baseball right now. Yeah. So this should have happened a long time ago, but I guess better late than never. Yeah. That's kind of how I'm viewing it. And he will get to play. Shelton said post game, you know, we gave him that pinch at bat, you know, just to get his feet wet. He will be starting on Tuesday. It's good. I mean, like I said, for a while, he and Cedarland in particular, the way I was always calling, I was always calling for these two because I always thought that they were, destined to come up to the majors uh Cruz was kind of my you know hope you know pie in the sky guy which just isn't going to happen but you you got to live with that now 
here's a guy who I think could really be the starting center fielder for 2021. And I, I mean that legitimately because his profile, his player profile just fits perfectly in it. Like he's a high OBP guy. He's going to get on base a lot. He's got to steal a lot of bases, not a lot of power, but a good glove, good arm. Like this is the type of player that, you know, for 150 years, you would want out of a center fielder. Yeah. Steal bases, provide good defense up the middle. That's who, what this guy is. I, I'm glad he's finally getting the shot. I don't know why it took this long in particular. Um, he should have came up when Dyson got traded. That would have really been the – Yeah. Or, or I, will, I won't fault that because they had Alfred at the time. Whenever Alfred got hurt, yeah. it should have been. It should have been him. Yeah, I agree. Because he that. needed to be put on the forty-man roster anyway this off-season. This doesn't mm-hmm. count as an option year. It doesn't count really anything for like his service time in the grand scheme of things. He would need Rule Five protected. Yeah, uh, I, I'm I'm excited uh, to see what he can do. And I know it's just seven games, but for for all intents and purposes, whatever they're doing in Altoona this year seems to be working. Because mm-hmm. I feel like every time they've called someone up. They've been productive, be it a player like Brian or even Phil Evans or guys like, you know, pitchers who they've called up. Everyone has gotten better there. So whatever they're doing there, it is working. So that's, that's exciting to me. And if you look at 2019, the guy was red hot finishing uh, the second half of the season in Altoona. And he was on. He he led the league in like three statistical ca- categories in the Arizona Fall League. I think it was doubles, extra base hits, and strikeouts, or not strikeouts, um, stolen bases. I know this because I wrote about it. Um, check out that article. But yeah, I think what makes him really exciting, like you said, Alex, is is the fielding capabilities and just the speed. Speed doesn't slump. I know that's a cliche, but it's good to have fast guys in your lineup and they're going to have that next year. When you look around, I mean, they're not, I mean, they're going to have Moran who's slow and they're going to have Stallings who's slow, but after that, Brian can run and he can run the base as well. You're going to have all of, all of, uh, you're going to have Reynolds who can run well, maybe Polanco. If he's in right, he can still run fast. Newman isn't slow. Kramer isn't slow. Gonzalez, you know, they've got some good speed on the team and that's something at least. So just to kind of piggyback on everything else you mentioned, I think his highest grade attribute in his scouting report is his speed. I think he's a 60 speed and I think he's like a 50, maybe 55 hitter and the rest is in the fifties. Should be a decent player. I don't expect him to be, you know, anything special, but he could be a regular contributor to a team like the pirates. You know, whenever you look at Reynolds, Alfred and Oliver, like Reynolds is the outlier out of those two or out of those three. Um, but man, you got some deer out there. Like just some guys who are just going to absolutely be sprinting. Not a whole lot of balls are going to fall down in the gap. If the, if that's what they end up going with instead of, you know, Greg again in right field, which they will. Yeah. Which they will. Alex, my final question when we were talking about Jared Oliva <clears throat> coming up at 24 years old, Brian Hayes is also – was he 23 or 24? I believe 23. Okay, and Cedarland's 24. We're seeing a pattern where younger guys are getting called up. That, that was not a common thing in the Neil Huntington era. I mean, Polanco and Marte came up rather young, but the rest of the prospects, I felt like it took a minute to get some guys up. Uh, are we finally going to get to see 
you know, with Charrington, you think um, guys like Cruz, guys, guys like Gonzalez coming up, you know, at 23, 22 years old, or is this just still going to be on when they ever, whenever they feel they're ready? I think it's still going to be in large part when they're going to be ready. They're not going to really push a lot of guys. I don't think, I mean, not, not bringing up Cruz, I think is kind of evidence of that. Not saying that it's, you know, the wrong decision that they're not bringing up O'Neill Cruz for this last week of the season, but it, it does kind of indicate that, Hey, they're still going through it, talking around the league. The parts do have that reputation. They're not the only team, but people around the industry know you go to Pittsburgh, you're going to take longer to develop. That's just how it works. And sometimes that messes with a guy's development. Mm-hmm. It's, I would like them to be more aggressive. I mean, Juan Soto would be, would have been having like a really good year in Altoona in 2018 instead of yeah. being, you know, one of the best hitters in, in baseball mm-hmm. that year. So that's, there's stuff to say like that. You, you would want the Pirates to catch up with the rest of the league. But unfortunately, whenever you're a small market club, you do have to play these, you know, BS, you know, service time games, make sure you get these guys for their primes and stuff like that. It's, it's all kind of garbage in that regard. Baseball is basically the only sport that punishes players for being too good. Too early also. Too good, too early. Like yeah. if, if you're really good at 22, it's like, that's great kid. But you know, we don't have to put you on the 40 man for another two years. So I guess you're going to stay in double A or triple A. And it's not just the Pirates who do that. It's, a, no. it's across the league. Yeah. I think Nick Gonzalez is going to be maybe the, the guy who could break the dam as the, Hey, we might see him in the major this time next year, we might be talking about Nick Gonzalez. Like that's a very real possibility. Thank God. I mean, I don't know. In, in 2022, 2023, we might be talking about Kumar Rocker. You beat in the majors. Exciting. We're going to have some more Puma or Rocker talk later uh, and maybe in the upcoming weeks and it should be good content. But we still have another segment to do. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to go into the future. We've gone in the past a couple times. Then we're going to go – now we're going to go in the future. We're going to see what the NL Central looks like as we move forward, not just this year, but many more years to come. When we come back, stay tuned. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back, everyone. Second segment of the show. And, Alex, we're reviewing the future now. So, the year's almost done. And in the month of September, normally, is when you get to see some big prospects get their first shot at the big leagues. And, I mean, that's been the case for the Pirates with Cedarland, Oliva, and, and Hayes. Uh, but most other teams are still competing for a division crown or a playoff spot. And there's no expanded rosters this September. It's actually been the opposite. So it's a little different. However, looking through the pirates are in a rebuild. The rest of the teams are not rebuilding. I would only say the Cubs are really the only team in the division that are really built to win a world series probably right now. Uh, 
what's that? Only once with a chance. This is this is a bad division. <laughs> it is. And looking forward, it's not going to be a good division anytime soon. Uh, you look at the MLB pipeline rankings. Um, no team in the NL Central has more than four guys on the top 100 list. The Cubs have the most with four. The Cardinals and the Pirates have three. The Reds have two. And the Brewers have zero. So with that considered, plus the current contracts they have underhand now and the reputations of their front office, Alex, I want you to power rank these franchises five years from now where they will be one through five, the Cubs, the Pirates, the Reds, the Cardinals, and the Brewers. And tell me why. Well, I think, honestly, the Pirates might be in the best scenario. I mean, the Cubs have the more high-end top 100 talent at the moment, but I think the Pirates system is deeper. I think they have more of the Jared Olivers, the Cody Boltons, the the Lovier Pagueros, the Brendan Malones, than the Cubs do. I don't think they have a whole lot outside. They're a very top-heavy organization where the Pirates, they do have some top 100 talent, there. I mean, Cabrian Hayes is still a top 100 guy. Um, Nick Gonzalez, O'Neill Cruz, they have the impact potential players. But I, I think deeper, it's going to be deeper. And I think it's going to be getting better. I think they're going to be acquiring some young talent over the next couple off seasons. I think they're going to be drafting high, you know, so you bring in the Kumar Rocker or lighter is someone into the organization through that, through high draft picks, they have the potential to really build up the farm system that I think five years from now, they'll have enough young talent. I'm not saying that they're going to be like this Tampa Bay Rays, San Diego Padres farm system, which is just, you know, a death star, mm-hmm. but it, there's a lot coming in. On the flip side, the team that I think is in the worst scenario are the Brewers, because yes. that is an absolutely garbage organization farm system wise. Yes. Like, Whenever they traded Cody Ponce to get Jordan Lyles last year, it, it was more like Cody Ponce is one of the actual few trade ships that they had. At mm-hmm. That's why they had to settle for Jordan Lyles at the trade deadline. Jordan did great for them down the stretch, but it, it's, it's a weak farm system. The Reds, not very impressed with the farm system. Cubs, like I said, top heavy, not deep, kind of the same as the major league team. I, I, I ranted on multiple times again. Cardinals the Cardinals. I mean, yeah. I, I, I just, just accept that they're going to be pulling up some random nobodies that are going to provide two or three war for them that's, every, that's, for the end of time. That's what I was going to say, but go ahead. Give me your rankings. And then in five years from now, give me the NL central standings. If you had to guess five years from now, I think it's the pirates and the Cardinals at the top of the division. Wow. One of those two. Cubs third, Reds fourth, Brewers last. I think Brewers are going to have like a swing up next year in 2021, but starting around 2022, 2023, that organization is not looking too hot. Well, I mean, they're going to get a lot for Yelich eventually. They, they re-signed Yelich. He's here. They're not going to get anything for him. It's, that's just a cornerstone player now. I mean, in two years, they can sell him for something. They're not, they're not going to sell him. Christian okay. Yelich is a Milwaukee Brewer. For life. It's like Ryan Braun. For life. All right. So I agree with you on a lot of standpoints. Um, I'm not as gung-ho about the Pirates farm system as you are, and I'm not saying you're, like, praising it by any means. And I do think it's going to get a lot better. 
I think after this year's draft next year, um, they're going to have at least they're going to have at least two top 100 prospects from this upcoming draft. Kumar Rocker, they're going to take him. He's going to be a top 20 prospect in baseball immediately from the jump. Their first pick in the second round is also going to be a really good prospect. So they're going to have a deeper farm system from that. And I like the way some of these guys are going to develop. But overall, I mean, compared to what they've had, and I guess that that's a tough comparison because you mentioned the Padres and you mentioned the Rays. It wasn't too long ago when the Pirates were in the same boat with that kind of farm system reputation. You looked around there. Wow. I mean, these guys got like seven guys in the top 100, seven, eight guys. People, you know, nationally would be excited to see prospects like Marte, Polanco, Meadows, Glassnow make their debut, Garrett Cole make their debuts. So the Pirates weren't that far away from, or, were, or aren't too far removed from that. So I guess it's hard to compare what they have now to that because that was a very impressive farm system. But on the flip side, I don't know. I just look at their development, and it's, it's tough to make an assumption, I guess, with the first-year regime. I think Sherrington knows how to evaluate talent. I will, I will go with that, and he'll probably draft better than Huntington did. So, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't feel comfortable putting him at number one, though. I'm going to put the Cardinals at number one simply because what you said. This is an organization, the Cardinals. None of these guys – they'll have one or two stud prospects, probably pitchers that come up and we're going to hear about them. But the rest of these guys, they're going to be your classic Skip Schumacher's, Tyler O'Neill's, you know, whoever, David Eckstein's, like these just random guys. They're going to come up. They're going to play great defense. They're going to be fundamentally sound, and they're going to get big hits when they need to get big hits. That's what the St. Louis Cardinals do, and that's why they're going to be in first place in the division in 2025. Second place, I think, is going to be the Chicago Cubs, simply because the difference between – their farm system and the Pirates farm system isn't much, but I think the money plays a factor there. And I think they're going to dump off KB in the next five years, which is going to eventually free up some room to sign someone else. And uh, yeah. And I also think that David Ross is just going to be a really good manager there. So I'm going to put the Cubs at two. I will put the Pirates at three. I think that by 2025, this will be a team with a winning record. I don't know if it's necessarily going to be a playoff team yet, but it'll be a team on the rise. Someone that teams are, people are going to be circling them saying, this is going to be a good team in a couple of years. Uh, so I'll put the Pirates at three, the Reds at four. I think the Reds are just going to be the Reds. You know, they haven't had a really deep, I mean, they had good prospects and they traded them for friggin' Trevor Bauer, which yeah. makes no sense. Uh, yeah, the Reds are just going to be at four. And then, like, I completely agree. The Brewers are screwed, man. The Brewers are screwed. They might, I don't know, like going back to the Yelich thing, they might have to pull off like a Stanton thing where like they just say, we don't want to pay this. Someone take him off of our hands and we'll, we'll, we'll take nothing back for him or something. I don't know. I mean, if Yelich will even be good by then, how many more years of prime baseball does Christian Yelich have? Three? I mean, if you want to be a jerk about it, you could say the prime prime is over. Maybe. I mean, he had – had a pretty good year last year. It's just this this year he had a bad sixty games. I I know I know, but how often? Unless you're Mike Trout, how often does someone like elite 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 like this second best player in baseball like Kutch had two or three years? Yeah, I mean Kutch had a. I would say Kutch's prime went from twenty twelve to twenty fifteen. Yeah, twelve. 13, I, I'd 14, say 20, 15. 14. 
He was pretty damn good in 2015. But he, he was pretty damn good, but that was also the beginning of the drop-off. That's true. All right, well, we're just splitting hairs here. So we pretty much agree on everything aside what we just flipped the Pirates and the Cubs. Alex, you got any closing thoughts? No. No, I'm, I'm running out of time for closing thoughts. See, I usually improvise these. And I'm not doing well with the improvising. I can't think of anything. Bad baseball. This has been bad baseball. That's my closing thought. That's, I'm trying to pull something off of what I've seen. Have you watched any good movies lately? No, I've been watching a lot of bad baseball. I, I break up my, season, my year mostly into six, seven months of intense only baseball watching and then five months of like leisure like movies and video games and stuff like that like ps5's coming out in november i'm going i'm gonna be eating that day i'm gonna be eating that. you're getting a ps5 oh yeah i won the birth lottery uh got the got the uh pre-order for it what do you what do you, what do you play like what I video most, games do you play mostly switch right now no like what games i, I gave you the console oh lately i've mostly only been playing like animal crossing and like i got the 3d all-stars on mario right now so like, I, what are you gonna just, play on ps5 oh spider-man spider-man oh okay i missed ps4 so i got two spider-mans to get through on there yeah i don't i never got a ps4 either but i i uh my my playstation 3 is still in canton ohio so you could tell how serious I take my video gaming. I won, I won two, I, I won three national championships on college football 2011 during the pandemic. So shout out me and coach Rocky Tate, who was my character that won those. Be sure to follow us on social media, hit the subscribe all button to our channel and tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell everyone about our podcast. Cause I think they're pretty darn good for Alex. Stump from the Ohio signing off saying we'll see you tomorrow.